Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast that you really don't want to miss. I'm Suzanne Harris, and you are about to get a sneak peek at what goes on behind the scenes with an author. You'll find out their secret recipe they use to create their book. You might even find out where they got their ideas, and it's possible that you'll get the inside scoop on their new project. If you want to know more, we'll tell you where to find them on social media. Are you ready to meet today's author? Here we go. Joining me today is novelist Viola Russell, and she's here to talk about her latest novel, The Unveiling of Amber. Now, Viola is a full-time teacher as well as a full-time writer. She's also a lifelong learner, and she loves history and literature. She's also an explorer. In 2019, with all of the COVID crisis mess that's been going on in education, she's been exploring new ways to reach her students through online activities. She wants to say that as she grows as an author and a teacher, she hopes to inspire others to grow and achieve as well. Viola, what a pleasure to welcome you to Books on Air. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm curious. There's always a backstory. There's always a backstory to an author. Authors start writing for a reason. I've always thought that sometimes authors are born, but more often than not, they're made. There's a parent or a great aunt or someone who is involved in writing and encourages a child, or there's a teacher that sees talent in a child and encourages the child to write. Or sometimes there's a seminal event that happens to a person and they feel like they absolutely have to share that event with a book, and so they begin to write. What made you start to write to to begin with? Well, my mother always encouraged me to read. As a child, um, she always, in, you know, bought me books and encouraged me in reading. And she read to me. And, and and then when I was in school, I became an avid reader. And one book that really inspired me was Little Women. And I thought I was Joe. And you know, Joe was the author, and I wanted to be Joe. And another book that really inspired me and made me want to tell stories was Black Beauty, which is about, you know, again, a racehorse. And my father trained thoroughbred racehorses. And so those books, when I was a child, made me want to read and and also write. And I started writing after reading those books. Wow, and I love that. writing little stories. Mm-hmm. I love that. I really like it that reading inspires writing. And it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I've interviewed several authors who were inspired by Little Women. Isn't that interesting? Well, it contains a writer. You know, it's a writer writing a writer's character. And And she's a female. That to me was inspiring. She's a female and writing at that particular period in time was not something that women did. No, it wasn't. And for me, 
I took inspiration from it because, you know, I, I come, from, I also come from a family that was not always, you know, going to college right after school. We we did. My parents didn't go to college. They they couldn't afford. They were brought up during the depression. Um, but it was something that they valued, particularly my mother. She really valued education. She really wanted me to get an education, and she always said that. But she was also an avid reader, even though she didn't go to college, and. You know, reading had always helped her past time. It had taken her away from, you know, say maybe bad times in her life, and it, it was—it's a good escape. And it also—it also inspired me to want to travel because also as I read more about different places, I really wanted to go to those places. What drew you to fiction? I think that you can create your own world within a real world. I I was never drawn to science fiction, maybe for that reason. And also as a writer, I just don't think I have the voice for it. But I was drawn to fiction because I liked that you could recreate certain events, but embellish them through character, through a, a character's perspective. I mean, I do that a lot with my historical fiction, too, when I write about a different time period. And I, I write about certain events, real events that might have happened. But at the same time, I put, I put people in them who are actually living that. And that, that to me, is one of the great things uh, about writing. In contemporary fiction, when I write that, which Amber is contemporary fiction, I, I am able to take, say, a current kind of event – but put how I know they affect people and my characters, you know, again, represent modern people who in, in, in contemporary fiction who, in fact, might be experiencing, you know, the kind of events that are occurring in our time period. I think you're so talented. I was really amazed when I started reading your bio and read how many different time periods and locations and different characters that you had written. You're you're extremely talented when it comes to writing and your choice about what you write about. And I couldn't agree with you more about this current book. I think that this is a very timely book. Let's give our listeners an overview of what the book is about. Well, Amber, my protagonist, is a high school librarian, and she has a boyfriend she thinks she trusts. And he, let's just say, betrays her uh with someone who's supposed to be a friend but then also takes the step further and really sabotages her where her whole life is put in jeopardy as far as her livelihood um her relationships with other people and so forth and as a result she's thrown into a relationship with someone who's very mysterious and which could have either devastating you know results or positive ones and at first you know she's not sure which I loved it that you created a character who gets herself caught in a modern problem situation. And you really put her in a situation where she has 
real-world consequences that affect her life. And you and I were talking about this. Not to, I want to say this because I think it's important. Her boyfriend posts videos. He uploads videos Mm -hmm. of them having sex on the Internet. Mm -hmm. And Amber is fired as a result. That's Mm -hmm. A situation that could have been in today's news or in the newspaper or headlines somewhere. You know, school librarian fired for sex videos online. And those are real consequences. And I think that that's a very important thing that you have sort of uncapped with the beginning of your novel. Well, as as I said, I, you know, as a teacher, I have to be very careful what I put on social media. And I've seen this happen with students, you know, not the same exact situation, but where they've posted something that could be indiscreet. I've seen it with colleagues where they've posted stuff that could be indiscreet, maybe not where it was actually sex videos happening, but just comments or posts or whatever that were not tasteful. Um, And there have been consequences. And Sometimes, too, the way social media can be twisted by somebody who eventually has something against you, you know, and Amber certainly doesn't think at the time that this boyfriend would ever do her something like this. But once there's a breakup, he uses, in fact, social media as a way to hurt her. Exactly. And we talked about before we actually started recording the fact that it doesn't just happen with boyfriends. Sometimes someone takes a a video or a photograph or something at a party and it, it it's inappropriate. It's something that really shouldn't have be that shouldn't be shared and you you're trusting that person. And then if for some reason you have a fight with that person, they're a friend or you have a falling out for some reason and here goes something online that impacts mm-hmm. your life in negative ways that you never even thought about. And especially right. the words, I can't believe it happened to me. You know, that would be something that someone would think. And and does happen. I mean, and it, we, we, we hear about this stuff all the time where, you know, I mean, nowadays where, I mean, and, and some people put, very, very dumb things on social media. I mean, criminals have been caught because of stuff they bragged about on, you know, a forum like Facebook. And, you know, they, they don't seem to realize that the whole world sees this. I mean, even if your privacy settings are set a certain way, the, that somebody, some associate or friend that you have on Facebook is seeing something stupid you put, and, and, and especially, you know, something, say, criminal, they could tell authorities about that, or they could, you know, we have now... Now there are so many avenues by which, through which people can, in fact, be um, outed in some way, in a way maybe they didn't think they were going to be. And I, it happens all the time. I couldn't agree with you more. Do you have a target audience in mind when you were writing the book? I, I don't know that I have a target audience when I write. I, I think of... I think of, like, say, things that I've seen and heard, whether it's through current events. You know, like the pandemic offers, of course, a great occasion for a manuscript. Or um, 
I, I, I don't know if it's target audience or it's certain events that I want to talk right about. And certain, and that's true with my historical fiction too, you know, World War II or whatever. It's certain events that I like to talk about. And those, those things become uppermost in my mind. Um, I've had different people, as far as ages, read my books and read them for different reasons. You know, I've had feedback from, from various people um, on d- various books, and as far as what appeals to them. But my my target audience with this is, again, more contemporary. But as far as that, like I said, I really look at certain events that I, I want to talk about or certain issues that are in American society, like social media. What's your process like? Are you a planner? Are you a pantser? Do you sit down and do you outline exactly what the book is going to be about? Or do you sit down at the keyboard or with a pad, however you write, and just the story starts in your head and you begin to record what you see? At first, I I, I probably am a combination between the two. Sometimes I will get an idea of a way to start a manuscript, and I just have to write it, and I write it. And it might not be at first that it's, you know, that that I have a plan. Somewhere as I start to write, I try to make a plan. But what I find is often characters can lead you in different paths, and they will start to speak in ways that you at first didn't think they were going to go. You know, I've had novels where some uh, characters that I thought were going to be very secondary wind up taking a bigger role. Um, where characters who were, you know, were I thought would be major kind of fade into the background, or for that matter, you know, die early. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in some situations, sometimes literally, you know, but but what I'm saying is, is that I think I'm a combination. At first, sometimes I get an idea and I have to write it. And then I try to plot out, oh, OK, this is what is going to have to happen next. You know, I love listening to authors talk about this. What you have just disclosed to me is the true creative mind. People who don't see with that kind of eye. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've, I've written a little fiction myself, and I know how those characters have a life of their own. And it really sounds a little nuts to people who don't understand how that creative thing happens in your brain. And the, the characters don't look like movie stars. They don't look like celebrities. They look like individuals. You see mm-hmm. their faces. You you haven't seen their faces somewhere else. And you're right. The characters speak to you, and the characters will do certain things that you didn't think they would do, and they won't do certain things that you wanted them to do. That, to me, is a sign of someone who really, really has a creative mind, because it is so much fun to think about all that popcorn popping in your brain because that's exactly what happens to that creative brain. The ideas are just firing back and forth and the characters and the conversations and it's it's not quiet in there. There's a lot going on. Am I right? It, 
it's just that once you start to know your characters, you, you start to think, no, he wouldn't have said that. Okay. Wait, no, she, no, no, this is how she'll, she'll react, you know, if she's angry. Um, you know, one thing that, that authors will always say, too, is as far as just what, what I also, having done theater at one point, would say was blocking. You know, what are the motions of a person? Would, as he's exasperated, would he run his hands through his hair? You know, well, no, remember, you said that character was bald. Nah, you know, maybe. <laughs> um, and, and that's another thing, keeping details in line, too, is, is always interesting, especially if you have something, right? You have a book where there's also a sequel to that book, and remembering who had blue eyes and who had angry is, is, is something, too. Whereas, Oh, gee, did I say he had green eyes? Well, wait, what did I say in the other book? Is he blue-eyed? You know, I mean, um, is, but also, aside from details, which you, sometimes you need a special notebook for that, mm-hmm. but also just how would that person react? Because they, after a while, they stop being the character, they stop being the person. Yes. How how would she react? I mean, what would she? At one point, you know, Amber has another job interview, and I started to think, well, how would she react to this kind of pompous principle? Um, and I had her say some things that probably earlier in the book I wouldn't have had her say. So uh, things change, you know, as your character develops. Well, it's like it's like growing up almost. I mean, and going through experiences. Your character is going through seminal experiences in her life, and right. so she is going to be different. She's going to see the world in a different way. She's not nearly as naive as she was mm-hmm. when she first was with Tyler. After all this happens, and she loses her job, and she loses her friend, and I, yes, you would be different, and you're exactly right. Do you use any... I have a, a friend who writes novels as well and she does an immersion kind of thing for herself she'll light candles she has smells that that trigger things for her about certain characters do you do anything like that viola i i I don't i know some people who do that Mm -hmm. um there are some things i do sometimes i will take a long walk even before i start writing just to clear my head you know, we live in an area lined with oak trees and all kind of nice stuff like that, you know, and I'll, I'll sometimes, you know, take a walk or sit outside and, you know, on, on our porch, which was kind of, you know, like open, but at the same time closed in and kind of look out and kind of think about what I'm going to do um, before, before I start writing. Um, the area where I write is kind of enclosed, so I'm kind of by myself. You know, um, there are certain times that I like to write simply because if, you know, I'll get up earlier than my husband, so he's not, you know, around, and I don't have anybody distracting me or walking through the room. Uh, You know, I do certain things like that. Let's share a little passage from the book Unveiling of Amber with our, our listeners so they can get a flavor for what the book is like. Okay, sure. Uh, This is pretty much the start of the book, the first chapter, and it begins in New Orleans in November 2017. And Amber is talking to her boyfriend, Tyler. What's wrong? You seem distant. Amber ran a hand lightly over her boyfriend's forearm. She could feel his muscles tighten under her touch, and she moved closer to him, drinking in his masculinity. They were alone in his shotgun double in uptown New Orleans as a cold, on a cold winter night. They sat on the sofa together, sipping wine and munching on cheese. 
look, this isn't easy. Tyler turned to her, his mouth set in a firm line. His arm was linked, her arm was linked in his. He'd poured a glass of wine for her and himself. Setting the wine aside, he said, I've been rehearsing this in my mind for a long time. Maybe he's going to ask me to marry him. The thought raced through Amber's mind, leaving her with a tingling sensation. She leaned closer to him, running her lips along his cheek. He flinched and rose abruptly, abruptly from his seat beside her. Tyler ran a hand through his hair. God, how Amber loved the dark hair. It was thick and black. When he looked at her with those startling green eyes, Amber's heart skipped a beat. Of course, none of her colleagues at her conservative local Catholic school even knew she had a boyfriend, and they certainly didn't think she possessed lustful thoughts. School librarians kept students quiet and doggedly guarded the books. Never mind that she introduced innovative techniques and policies. Oh, well. Tyler paced the carpet in front of her, sifting and then unclenching his hands. I've had something to tell you for a long time. At that moment, the door swung open, and Adrian, Amber's best friend, strode inside and turned to close the door behind her. She barely stepped inside before she turned, obscuring them from her line of vision. Hey, Tyler, honey, did you tell her? I can't stand the secrecy, and... She stopped abruptly turning, turning and suddenly seeing Amber with Tyler. Adrian had a key to his apartment? Amber had a key as well. Did he simply give his key to random women? And what the hell did Adrian mean? An uneasy feeling developed in Amber's stomach. She threw a confused look in Tyler's direction. He had gone white, his fist still clenching and unclenching at his side. He was clearly debating what to do. I love it. That's a perfect choice. <laughs> now we have our listeners sitting on the edge of their chair going, and, and. <laughs> so let's tell them where they can find the book. The book is available on Amazon. And if there's someone who has never gone to Amazon to buy a book, let me just sort of give you a little background of what to do. All you have to do is put www.amazon.com in your browser at the top of your computer. Click on it, and it will take you right to the Amazon website. On that website, you'll see a great big rectangular search box. Type the title of the book. Let me give you the title, and let me spell names for you. The specific title of the book is The Unveiling U-N-V-E-I-L-I-N-G of Amber, A-M-B-E-R, by Viola, V-I-O-L-A, Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L. Click on it, and the book comes right up. And there's a, a in the upper right-hand corner, there is a little feature that says, Look Inside. Now, if you'll click on those words, Look Inside, and I'm pushing with my finger in the air for some reason. If you'll you'll click on that look inside, the book will open. And I'm using air quotes. Of course, it doesn't really open, but electronically, you can view a really nice excerpt. And you'll be able to read and get a flavor for the book. And you can buy it right there on that site. Now, Viola, is the book available anywhere else? 
They can also go right to the publishing house, okay. which is www.blackvelvetseductions.com. And they can go to Black Velvet and buy it there. Now, you also have links on your website. Let's give them your website address so that they can go there. They can go to www.iolosult.com. And that has links to all of my books. Great. So they'd be able to see what I was talking about when I talked about you're just so creative and you've done so many amazing books. I was just flabbergasted when I saw all that. I just am stunned to talk to somebody with this much talent. Um, What else is there on the website? Also, um, it has a little biography of me, some pictures, in fact, of, you know, family, um, different things that have happened in my life. Um, There is a form to email comments where, in fact, they can uh, ask questions, make comments, you know, and, and I like to hear from people once they've read a book. You know, they can send it there. I think it's under comments or questions or something like that. And they can actually, you know, send send a comment to me. Uh, and uh, some reviews, things of that nature. Good. Now, you're also doing social media. How can they find mm-hmm. you on Facebook? Uh, well, it's Facebook.com, of course. And it's slash Susan.Weaver. W-E-A-V-E-R-3. That's where they can find me. And it's and my I have it listed as Susan Viola Russell Abley. Um, I know that's confusing, but for that matter, um, I had to put that under kind of my name, my actual name, because um, I had a Viola Russell account and it was badly hacked mm. and I can't carry it on Facebook. I also have a page on Facebook called Romance and Adventure. Uh, the novels of Viola Russell. Oh, terrific. And so that's also on there. So that's the Facebook connection. Now, how about Twitter? I know you're also doing Twitter. What's the Twitter handle? It's Twitter and it's slash and it's Viol, no A, V-I-O-L, Russell. R-U-S-S-E-L-L. So they can also find me on Twitter. You know, this book is so contemporary, and I, I just really thought that you addressed some issues that are so real. And then you've got this mysterious character that we really didn't talk about that I think is going mm-hmm. to be so much fun um, for our our listeners to read, this Winston Hurley character. He seems mm-hmm. like uh, somebody sort of back in the background. I can't see his face. You know, to me in the, in my mind, he's a, a kind of a dark shadow in the background of the book. I think that this book is really, really a good read. It's suspenseful. At the same time, it's romantic. At the same time, it's contemporary. So this was really, really such a good job by you. Um, Thank you. I always like to let the author have the last word about the book. And since I talk so much, it's hard to give people the last word. But this book is such a good read. I'm wondering when our readers, for the very last time, they finish that very last page, either electronically or they bought the book physically, and they close the back cover, and they finished, and they sit there just for a moment. Is there something that you want them to take away? They've read a book that's a really good book. It's a 
it's led them down a path. They, I mean, it's really been a fun read for them. Is there another message besides just a good, fun read that you'd like to them like for them to leave with? Well, I'd like them first off to just have enjoyed it. Good. But also, I'd like for them to see that, you know, maybe people can recover from mistakes. That, and that also, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should be careful about who we put our trust in. Oh, good. Those are two lessons from it. <laughs> good. And I'm sure you could really give a, a longer, much longer speech about that. But I think those are two really important lessons from the book. I can't mm-hmm. tell you what a pleasure it's been for me to talk with you today. This has just been so much fun. Thank you so much for being my guest today on Books on Air. Thank you for having me. Now, remember, you can find The Unveiling of Amber by Viola Russell on Amazon. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on iTunes as well as iHeartRadio. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I hope you'll join our next Books on Air podcast because remember... You never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.